and welcome to the first impressions edition of the Colts Cover 2 podcast. This is the new uh, reconfigured version of the Colts Cover 2 podcast. Uh, it is very late. Um, the Colts lost the game to the Steelers 24-17 that, honestly, both Nate Atkins, my co-host Nate Atkins, and I kind of felt like was deja vu uh, for a lot of this season. Um, bad start. Uh, turnovers including a crippling one on the goal line that involved Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor, the two people who've turned it over the most this season. Um, and, and you know, I think that the, the, the largest big picture thing is that for a team that said it's not tanking, the playoffs seem like a pipe dream right now. Yeah. It feels like even if they went out and they finished 9-7-1, and one, given the fact that they don't have a route in the AFC South to catch the Titans, it feels pretty dire uh, just with – where other teams are it's a situation they've just put themselves in where I mean this the odds of them winning out anyway are obviously low when you've got to face the Cowboys and Chargers and Vikings and Giants uh, before you face the Texans in a season where they're not taking care of business in moments like this where if you were a playoff team and if you were uh, a team that got it done in these moments that that played smart winning football situationally protecting the ball in just coming out with some kind of a game plan that puts you ahead and gives you a chance to manage these situations better, um, then you're not losing at home to Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers the same way that they wouldn't have tied the Texans and uh, lost at home to the Commanders. So this is the team we've seen all year. It's kind of interesting that now it's, you know, as time has played out, it, they, they've become a team that is always – their identity is they're always trying to come back in the fourth quarter from mistakes they've made earlier in the game and – What's happened over time? Another way to say that is they're a losing team. That's their identity. Losing teams are always coming back, trying to come back in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and there was a point when they were three, three, and one. So it was like they were a five hundred team. But again, you play with that fire all season long, and this is what you ultimately end up end up being as a as a losing team because you can't can't always win that way. And uh, we can kind of get into it, but I felt like there's a. They've lost a little bit of the touch they had early in the season for some of those comebacks because they've kind of mangled their identity along the way, and they've they're trying to figure a lot of things out on the fly with a first-time head coach Jeff Saturday, with a new play caller in Parks Frazier, and just with the personnel challenges that they have, they've just kind of crept up back to them. They can no longer just win every close game on a on a fourth quarter comeback, and so. Ultimately, they're four seven one. Just just to put in perspective, how unlikely their playoff hopes are, uh, the team they are they are ninth in the AFC right now. The eighth team, the Los Angeles Chargers, is six and five. The seventh team, the New England Patriots, are six and five. The Jets are seven and four. The Bengals are seven and four. Uh, all of those teams have at least two more wins than the Colts do. That's a significant hill to climb uh, as we head into December. Uh, but let's let's move into the categories. Um, there's, there's, this isn't a game I think that we need to break down a ton. Um, so we're just gonna we're just gonna move into the categories. Stick with the the new format. Um, villain of the game. Villain of the game. We, with the losses, we're gonna start with villain instead of hero. You can go first. <laughs> I have to remember some of the categories. <laughs> uh, villain of the game. I think in in terms of this is. Maybe, maybe the Colts' defense, oddly, you know, they they were pretty. They they gave up 232 yards in the first half. Uh, mm-hmm. 
should have given them more than 16 points. The Steelers kind of shot themselves in the foot and kept the Colts in this. That could have been really, really bad at the half. And then, you know, after they took the lead, immediately gave them a touchdown drive. So as weird as it is to say, uh, this is the, maybe the first time all season or maybe that, that, that you feel like um, – you could say that with with the defense, but not not a great game for the defense. I know they only gave up twenty four points and they had a couple stops, but not not a great game for the defense, uh, especially against the Steelers' offense that has struggled this season. Yeah, I guess that's fair. That's kind of it's like an eleven man villain. That's a that's a pretty powerful villain to that's the that's the beauty, of, that's that the beauty of that category is that you can you can it can be as broad or as narrow as okay. you want it to be. Well, I'll do something that's a little more in between. Um, I'm going to go with. Colts coaching staff in this one. Honestly, I'm gonna go with Jeff Saturday and Parks Frazier. I don't I don't like how I don't like how that played out at the end there. And I, I didn't really understand their ex, Jeff's Jeff Saturday's explanation for it. I understand where they got to with this. They ultimately wanted to win this game by setting up a situation where Jonathan Taylor would carry them in in a in a high you know, in a tempo situation where they could run tempo, run with Jonathan Taylor, find an explosive play that way. They thought they had it set up with three timeouts left. What's interesting to me, though, is I don't, I'm just not sure how they arrive at that point when last week they wouldn't play Jonathan Taylor the final two minutes because Deion Jackson's their two-minute back. And I asked them and followed up on that, and they said that's what Scotty Montgomery wants. Deion Jackson's our two-minute back. Now that's flipped back to Jonathan Taylor. What happens, though, is they're running up hurry up, and they're trying to get up to the line, and they let 17 seconds go off. And they're not using the advantage of what's really made these fourth quarter comebacks happen in the past, which is Matt Ryan getting up to the line, surveying, fighting the mismatch, and using uh, the benefit of a 15-year quarterback who's in the top five all time in comeback victories to be the guy to make that call. Which where maybe the call is to hand off to Jonathan Taylor, but I, I the way they laid it out is they took that out of his hands. They they were always going to run it. They were always going to do it that way. That that felt to me like, you know they. They, they want to make that their identity. They were so headstrong saying this is what we want to do, but it was such a reversal of what they were last week. And that's kind of, to me, emblematic of where this franchise is, where they're kind of making it up as they go along at this point. And each week they're like, well, maybe this will work, and maybe we'll throw it out there. And then in tense moments they're learning how difficult this really is. So um, it's hard to – I feel bad calling them the victims because they're guys who've been thrown into these spots. It's just showing – I, I, I bring it up, though, to show victim Victim fans. is more thrown into the spot, but vil- the, the villain, category is villain. villain. Villains. But villains in that – I just want fans to realize how hard this is to do. And I think Jeff and Parks are probably realizing – And I mean, they always knew it was going to be hard. But these are the moments that really bring that out is like you just – everything gets tested and, and you don't have time to really first guess, second guess uh, – Really, any of that, and I just, I just thought it, it bit them in this. And there's other things I could get into. I mean, I, I didn't like the plan they came in with. I don't know. The, the whole first half was just atrocious on offense, and um, they finally made adjustments at, at, at halftime to, to correct that. I just thought this was a low moment for those two in a league where they were bound to have a low moment because they're new on it. They're also taking over a bad team. Um, it was always going to happen this way, but I think there was a lot of people who wanted you know a firing this season and thought that that would be the fix. And who knows? These two may maybe man up being good, great coaches, but they could all. Everyone could have a low moment. I thought it was a low moment for both of them. Hero, I'm taking this one because you made me do villain first. Jelani Woods, uh, Jelani Woods, uh, eight catches, 98 yards. Jelani Woods has been through a lot the last two weeks. 
Uh, he's dealt with a shoulder injury, but that's nothing compared to the fact that he lost three friends in the shooting uh, on Virginia's campus. Um, bounced back from a drop that he admitted was, was partially influenced by nerves coming with trying to, to play well. Um, and 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 then came back and had his, his best game as a pro. You saw everything on display. And then we, we talked to him about the shooting. It's, it's going to be – it's in my story on, on IndyStar.com. Um, and he, he, he just, you know, talked about his friends and talked about what it was like. And it, it was just really impressive day for him. So that's that's the hero for me is Jelani Woods. Yeah, that's the, the obvious one. And, and really credit that's to him. That's why I for, took it first. Credit to him for, for working through all that because deal with the personal tragedy while you're also dealing with physical pain and an injury and, um, and just – the isolation of doing that as a rookie is hard. And then he really was a guy that Michael Pittman brought up as sort of the guy that saved them and brought them back because what happened in this game is the Steelers were playing uh, uh, cover two man. So they had two high safeties and then kept everything underneath. They had such a hard time getting the ball in the perimeter to any wide receiver. So they matched up Jelani Woods with linebackers and that became the mismatch that carried them back. So um, he's definitely the best one, uh, the best choice there. I'm going to go with Yannick Ngakwe. He's continuing to kind of make his presence known finally. It's second straight game with multiple sacks. Now today he got gifted one of those when the uh, Steelers didn't block him at all, which was bizarre. That was their third down play call in field goal range, but his sack took them out of field goal range. But he had another sack in the same area of the field and this is a 16-3 game at halftime, but if they don't if they don't stymie the Steelers in a couple of those moments, like it, this should have been like a 23-3 game, and it's it's out of reach. So um, if I have to pick someone who's not Jelani, I think Ngakwe deserves a little bit of praise. Unsung hero. I think there's really only one player here, and I think we can we can we can double up on the category unless you really want to bring somebody out. But like Dallas Flowers, it's it's yeah, just so obvious. That was, <laughs> he got the ball. Out of nowhere. He got the ball one time and got an 89-yard touchdown, or not touchdown, but he got an 89-yard kickoff return to set up the first touchdown. Uh, they were they were kind of knocking on that door with Isaiah Rogers. I don't know if we ever found out exactly why Flowers was in on that return, but yeah, wow. Like, yeah, pretty that, simple. Like, I, if you've got another one, go for it. No, but that's I, I the easy one because they were the whole team was dead up until that moment too. So it's both the. The ability to get them to the 19, where they only had to drive 19 yards. I mean, you have to make it easy on this offense sometimes, or they have a hard time scoring. That was big, and then also just just the life they got. Like they, the whole team just seemed to play a lot better the second they stepped out of halftime. Some of it was adjustments, but I didn't. Sometimes when you're in a frustrating game, you need one spark like that, and they've been waiting for it, and they got it. So props to Dallas Flowers. Yeah, Woods Woods said that that was the spark. Um, let's go. To unsung villain now, uh, Colts wide receiving core. That I, I I admittedly watch uh, I admittedly watch the uh, the line of scrimmage a lot. Uh, I, I prefer the pass rush stuff. That's that's true. Been true in every season, every game. Um, but you know, enough of you guys were were tweeting at me and and saying like Aikman was pointing out on the broadcast that there just wasn't anywhere to go with the ball. Uh, they just need to be open a little. They need to be open more. And I think, I think part of this though is, and maybe this is an unsung part of the unsung villain, is that this offense has become super simplified in the last three weeks. That was the that was the goal. And like Alec Pierce is a good example of this. Like I feel like all every time we see him on a target now, it's a it's a go ball, and it's not a well planned go ball where it's it's taking. They're doing something to give him a one on one. It's the the safety's always there. Uh, the last couple of weeks, and teams know what's coming for him. And you got to do a little bit more. You just got to do a little bit more. I, 
any rookie receiver is going to struggle if the other team knows exactly what they're going to do. Um, and so I think that the, I think that as much as you know, simplify, simplify is a good thing. It also feels like teams know what's coming. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was getting at with the game plan. I thought it was way too simplified. The Steelers could keep everything in front of them and knew kind of where every single play was going to be. Player was going to be once they lined up because there was almost no motion. Um, they've they've just simplified it. I just think taking it too far in the effort to uh, eliminate the turnovers. So yeah, wide receivers they put pressure on them to win those matchups without any kind of dressing, and and they didn't really do it. Michael Pittman was really hard on himself in the first half. Uh, I think he's. He used the phrase dog shit to describe how he played. Uh, that's that's Michael Pittman now that he's just putting it on himself. So to go in a different direction um, from that, we kind of we hit it at it last week, but I'll, I'm going to give it to him this week. It's Ben Banigou for me. Um, ben played today uh, yeah, the first yeah, time I'd really one. seen. Uh, I guess he made two tackles. Uh, but I think he played. I think he had to play a lot of snaps given the de- injuries at defensive He end. did. So he finally got to play today. And, again, I saw him on two, a couple of – couple of run stops but no quarterback hits no sacks he uh has two and a half sacks in his career now as a second round pick one of them came on his very first play in the nfl yep so one and a half sacks since that very first play four years ago and it's just obviously it's not enough but it's all it's just a glaring issue here is that like this was a game where so so like i said you have ngakwe going he's got two sacks that was good uh deforce buckner was getting doubled and held and lots of things like that you just need someone else to step up. Quiddy Pay is out; he's hurt. Uh, Taekwon Lewis is down for the year, and your fate, you're, you have a rookie quarterback who came into your building in a bad offense. Who, at a certain point, you know, for a, for a half, lost his running back. They should have pummeled this kid. Um, really, I mean, he, props to Kenny Pickett. He had a nice game last week against the Bengals, and he made some nice plays with his legs. But they should have been able to 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 take away the mobility of this quarterback and make him win from the pocket. And I think. They could have taken this game over as a defense. And we've been obviously easy on the defense as a whole because uh, they've played well this year. But the one thing that I think they're sometimes missing is that that just one extra pass rusher who can come here and, and really wreck a game with, for a quarterback. They didn't do it against Taylor Heineke, and they didn't do it against Kenny Pickett. And I'm going to put it on guys that are not – you know that are healthy that have the chance to get out there, um, either earn it in practice or today Ben Bandigu played, and are just not making the impact that they were drafted to make. So that's where I'm at. Number of the day, uh, number of the day for me is zero, <laughs> which is the number of yards the Colts had in the first quarter. Oh, that's a good one. Five plays, zero yards. Uh, oddly enough, not their worst opening quarter of the year. They they had negative two yards in the first quarter against the Patriots. There there's there there's three. Uh, See, and that was the last game before they fired Frank Reich. So they're going they're going the right direction from <laughs> negative two to zero. There there are three teams that have had an opening quarter with zero or fewer yards. This this there's been three games where that's happened with zero or fewer yards in the first quarter. The Colts have two of them. That's really bad. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm I'm gonna go with something along the same lines but the number is 705 which is this was a stat from ESPN they put out but the 705 mark of the second quarter was when the Colts completed their first pass which is the latest into a game (laughs) that's the latest into a game that any team's first completion has come since 2020 (laughs) and it was the Broncos and it was the game they started Kendall Kendall Hinton Hinton game (laughs) it's a good number and (laughs) <laughs> Again, that goes back to what I'm talking. Like the whole offense was terrible in the first half, and I do put that on. Um, 
I, I don't understand their game plan at all. I just don't think there would have been any game plan prior to this week that wouldn't have been able to com- – the one thing this team could do for everything else that messed up was complete passes. That was stunning to watch them get this late with Matt Ryan out there and not complete a pass till halfway through the second. We've we've reached the interlude, and I think most of this podcast is going to be the way it's gone so far. Um, but uh, uh, we've reached the interlude part of the podcast. So my, my game day observation um, – while they were doing the Lion King thing, which our editor, sports editor Nat Newell, kind of rightly points out, is is just begging for a, a terrible accident with someone dropping a child. Um, there, they shifted to one kid, and he was picking his nose while being held in the air. <laughs> it's <was> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's classic kid not ready for the camera moment. Uh, that was good. Oh, he's a kid. He doesn't know. Yeah, of course, of course. We'll, we'll look back on it later uh, and laugh. He, he's got to learn to do a snot uh, rocket, though. That's that's <laughs> the next that's the next step for him. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna. I want to. I'm gonna estimate that it, the crowd is about 75-25 Colts fans, but apparently on the ESPN broadcast they said it was forty six percent Steelers fans. And Ridiculous. I remember a bunch of people were tweeting that, and we're just like looking at each other, looking around, like, what? Like, did those people like change into Colts fans all of a sudden and put on blue? Like, I mean, there were a good amount of Steelers fans here. I felt that all weekend, but <laughs> it was not like a fifty fifty crowd. Almost, almost. Uh Almost as egregious as Nate saying that the St. Elmo's cocktail uh, sauce on the shrimp was too spicy. Well, I didn't start that take. I just <laughs> – You jumped in on it. That was Greg Doyle who was really against it. <laughs> you jumped I, in. I did say it was a little bit much, but I said you just got to take it in doses. No, no, no. no. said it was too much. Can't handle and it. And I still had a lot of it. so Can't handle it. That's, even that's if I said that, on. I don't stop myself from going back <laughs> and getting it. Three things that brought me joy – uh, number one, the the Steelers just <laughs> leaving Yannick Ngakwe like more unblocked than I've ever seen a player unblocked. <laughs> it looked that was such a good moment. He he, the, my favorite part about the play was that he was so unblocked that he was concerned that they were running a screen behind him. Like he, yeah. he almost he turned his head. In the yeah, moment. he was. He was like, wait, something something has to be wrong. Okay, I'll just go sack the quarterback. So that's that's number one. Um, number two, I think, would be. Uh, just Jonathan Taylor when he's running well, like it, it's fun to watch. Uh, and number three, it, this is this is tough in a game like this. But I I, I was impressed by Kenny Pickett, a young quarterback. I, I know this is a Colts podcast, but this is a team that probably needs a young quarterback. And I I thought Kenny Pickett has some stuff there that I I don't know what he's going to be. I just you can see that there's something there. And if you're a Steelers fan, I think knowing that you have a young guy who maybe can build on something has to feel a lot better than where the Colts are yeah no doubt it's like they're they're losing with a purpose and I guess if you look at the draft element of this then you could say the Colts are but we'll see what that ends up getting them um if I'm going to add one to that a moment I liked was I liked Michael Pittman Jr. going up over a defender even though he's being interfered with and pulling it down and the most quintessential Michael Pittman thing is his only reaction to that was that he should have kept stayed on his feet and kept running and gotten <laughs> more yards when he's being interfered with that's good and catching the ball so that just kind of summed up uh kind of summed up who he is okay getting close we're wrapping it up here it's obviously it's a, it's a late podcast and again it was a kind of a it was a game where we were honestly looking around at each other and not sure what we were going to do from a, a storyline standpoint so it's probably gonna be a quicker pod tonight but uh too much blame. Too much blame tonight. Um, hmm. I am going to go uh, offensive line. They gave him some sacks, but honestly, Ryan had enough time to get most of his passes off. 
It was better than most weeks. And and Braden Smith actually against T.J. Watt. I, I don't remember noticing T.J. Watt much, which is I'm not used to happening when I watch the Steelers play. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the offensive line, which has been hit hard all season. I think they're, they're too much blame for me. Yeah, man, this is hard. <laughs> I know in a, I, game, in a game where they lose and look bad, too much blame is tough. Yeah, like I mean, I, it felt like a very appropriate amount of blame. Nate's um, gonna pass. <laughs> Well, I'll be I'll I'll do one I guess. I'm gonna go with Alec Pierce because I think it's easy to look at this and say he had zero catches and two targets. And we did the receivers didn't play great and he's one of them. But I think he's becoming you know I, I thought the hype was a, as you know, I thought the hype's a little over the top with him at times. And now it's like if understatement of the year. If there's criticism for him Nate's understatement of the podcast. Um <laughs> His stats have not been there recently, but I'm giving him a pass on a lot of it because I think he's becoming a victim of this new overly simplified and super, super safe offense to where when they do want to throw the ball, uh, it is very standard. Michael Pittman underneath, Paris Campbell out of the slot, working the connections that Matt Ryan has. And Alec Pierce doesn't really fit into that. He's the number three receiver in a very run-heavy offense, and his routes are slower developing down the field stuff that they don't even want to try don't because even try. they're afraid Matt Ryan's going to get hurt. So a couple times a game they try and involve him, and today one of them was uh, like a slant where he just was not open. They just they're just trying to get him something, and it, it you know he's not crisp enough with Matt Ryan. He's just not as you know he's not where Paris and, and Pittman are on that level to win that way. And then the other ones they just kind of force a downfield throw and the safeties over top anyway to take that away. So I just think it's easy to look at this and think like he's just like he's regressed and he's like falling apart. It's really just a product of they haven't done they've kind of done a disservice to young players in their development this year, and he's one of those where you know he. Did all this to build a connection with Matt Ryan. They flipped to Sam Ellinger. They fire his offense coordinator. They fire his head coach. They change the offense. Like th- that's not a way to build on what he was doing well. So he's in a bit of a rut. But it's not all. It's it's really more their fault than his. Do you have a too little blame off the top of your head? Uh, I'm guess I'm gonna go back to the offensive line and disagree with you a little bit. Not that, and I agree with your overall point. They definitely played way better than I thought they would. I mean, I, well, we the, were the joking. The hard part is the hard part with the offensive line is that like the baseline is has gone right. so much lower that like they play what today is probably a fairly mediocre game, and it feels like hey, that things went well. Like that's yeah, that's the hard part with the offense. I guess block I, offensive line is not quite the way I want to phrase this. Like the blocking unit again, just the overall. Offensive line and tight ends because yes, for most of that game I was like, wow, they're they're neutralizing T.J. Watt and they're like, you know, they're running decently well. But again, in crunch time, that that was the unit that kind of let them down. It was Bernard Ryman got beat for a sack um, against Alex Highsmith. His his mistakes are coming at at the wrong moment and coming too too egregiously for someone to like Matt Ryan to overcome in that moment. And then when they do run that third and three play, um, that was. You know, July Woods just he he had a hard time with Alex Highsmith too, and he he cut inside and and blew up that inside zone play to to Jonathan Taylor. So, I mean, I'm you know I criticize the coaches for doing it that way, but you know it's always a battle of is it the decision, is it the execution? There's sure there's a world where um, they get those blocks and Taylor does what Taylor does and rips off a 
20-yard run, and then all of a sudden they've got three timeouts to go six yards, and it, and it looks really good. Fact of the matter, though, is the offensive line just that, that, or the blocking units they haven't risen to the moment. There's very rare when I'm like, you know, in the in those final moments, they were the reason that they got over the hump. Most of it's when they when they do lead their fourth quarter comebacks. It's you know, it's plays from the receivers. It's Jonathan Taylor ripping off a huge huge run against the Raiders, or it's it's Matt Ryan being really cerebral and and clutch in those moments. It, it, the offensive line just hasn't risen to the moment. And so even today, when most of the game they played very, like way better than I thought they would. When it came down to crunch time, they, they kind of looked like what we thought they were. Too little blame for me is Matt Ryan. Uh, I know what he's working with. I understand all that stuff. I get all, all of it. Uh, it's just he just hasn't elevated this offense's play at all this season to me. Um, he hasn't – he's been uh, – maybe he was never supposed to do that, but, you know, it, too panicky in the pocket sometimes. Uh Sometimes, like it's hard to know. It's hard to tell sometimes if it's the receiver or him. But there's 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 missed opportunities, especially in the first half. And at some point, all of these slow starts, uh, with the where the passing game looks bad. I mean, like you said, they they didn't have a completion until the middle of the what was it second quarter? Seven yeah. seven minutes in the second quarter. Like he he's got to be better than that. Uh, he's got to be better than he played today. His what's his what's his yards per attempt? What did he have? Nate's got the stat sheet in front well, of him. He finished twenty two thirty four, which is amazing <laughs> that it got there. Uh, uh, it's 199 yards on 34 attempts. 199 yards on 34 attempts is – well, I know it's not good. I'm looking – I'm getting my calculator. Uh, it's going to be like 6.6. No, it's worse than that. 5.8. That's terrible. Pretty bad. That's a horrific yards per attempt. It's got to be better than that. Too little blame. Probably going to go on Matt Ryan for this one. Uh, which leads right into one that might be a mirage, uh, a takeaway that might be a mirage. Uh, there's there's already a groundswell back to switch quarterbacks again. Um, that that might somehow spark the offense. I, I'm sorry, I'm past that point. <laughs> <laughs> this I, offense I is this offense. <laughs> That's I don't I don't really have any else anything else to break down. Like you know, people say, well, that, you know, they got to get a quarterback with some mobility. I I didn't see the kind of mobility from Sam Ellinger that change that can change things the way like yeah. Justin Fields can, or, or some of the true runners can the way Jalen hurts changed the game last week. It, this, this offense is this offense. And, you know, people have said, what, what about Nick Foles? Um, at this point, like, let's just, I think Nick Foles should just be allowed to not have to <laughs> feel the pain of this season acutely. <laughs> um, and Nick, Nick Foles doesn't deserve if, if you're making a case for it, it's just like a, can we develop Sam further? I just, I just, I just don't think that a quarterback change, change like significantly changes the offense in any way. They, they're always right around the sixteen point mark. That's just where they always end up. Yeah, they absolutely are. I mean, they were lower than that mark when they did have the other quarterback. So um, that's, I think they were eight or nine when they had Sam. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree with that. And it's, I may double up on that mirage because I, I just think that the point I'd make on that is that like. In the situation they're in, where I said at times they're going to be exposed for having a head coach who's new, an offensive play caller who's so new, is that they are leaning on Matt Ryan to have leadership and poise and experience and build this throughout a game and make adjustments. And he was one of the voices who spoke up at halftime and helped, you know, make those some of those adjustments to get that passing game going. That like throwing to Jelani Woods in the middle of the field to get away from um, what was going on with the receivers and set them up. That that stuff is even harder to to throw that on a quarterback who now has, 
you know, and Sam who started two games and has yet to throw a touchdown pass. Like if your plan is going to be for Jeff Saturday to work with Parks Frazier to communicate plays to Sam Allinger and read it pre-snap and overcome this offensive line, I mean, you're you're just not setting anyone up for success. So, um, yeah, I guess there's going to be some point where we have the conversation about developing and, you know, do they look to the younger player? Um, we'll have that conversation when it arise. I, I still would – pump the brakes like I, I think they could eventually develop Sam as a backup which was always his goal and his plan and I think that'd be a great outcome for him and so um, the mirage to me is anyone that still you know if you're still out there thinking that the future of, at this position the answer is going to be um, the guy who's you know currently the backup and developing him into a starter I think it just doesn't kind of fit with what we've I think what we've seen or what uh, NFL history has told us about guys drafted at that spot in the draft so um, just gotta just gotta be realistic with it. That brings us to one to bank on the the the, the development in the game that that does matter going forward. Um, I kind of already touched on this, but this this offense is this offense. It's it, like the Steelers are a bad defense, or they're supposed to be. I know they didn't have T.J. Watt for most of the year, but T.J. Watt wasn't really the 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 generator of most of what was going on today. They that's a that's a defense that has been awful against the pass all season. Uh, not awful today because the Colts were awful in the passing game. It, it's the December is in like two days. The, this 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 offense is this offense. Yeah, and I'm going to go with uh, with the defense being less spectacular down the stretch than it's been because I think some regression there is natural for a couple reasons. Number one is that they're human beings, and at some point. Like when every game you're going out there and and your offense is doing what it did to start this game, which is three and out, three and out, can't get a yard, turn it over, and the math starts to disappear in you to make the playoffs. Like at some point you do get affected and you lose some edge with that. I remember the best example that I could think of was a couple of years ago. The Bears built that elite defense with the big Fangio running it with uh, uh, with Cleo Mack, and they went 12 and four. And that year was everything about punishing defense. And over time. That defense, a lot of the players stayed the same. They did change the coordinator, but they just kept getting wor- a little bit worse, a little bit worse, because I think the toll of that offense, the reality of who they were, and the energy that they didn't have um, in, in you know in training camp and into games, um, it caught up to them. And I think you're going to see a little bit of that here. Like this team was flat, the defense was flat, because the offense performance continues to be so flat. And then the other thing that I look at is that like. Injuries can catch up on this to this defense, and one of them is Quiddy Pay, especially a defensive end. Yeah, those things I think are catching up. And then what's still out there? I mean, I, I'm certainly I, I don't want any player to get hurt, but they've been saved this year by the fact that Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, and Stephon Gilmore are out there all the time, um, dealing with whatever they're dealing with and playing at incredible levels. And 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 like if they don't have some of those guys. Like there's going to be regression because those guys have been so awesome, like all pro level type of performance to hold this to where it was. So like they've been, they just wasted a defense up to this point. And there's just, I think we've, it's easy to become conditioned to, well, this defense is always just going to be really good and they just got to get the offense going. Well, things can happen, an injury here, an injury there. And like if this team were to lose Buckner right now with what the pass rush is, it wouldn't be a great situation, and that stuff's just always a possibility out there. But even if they don't, I still think there's a little bit of just natural regression because um, this team's not in the best state right now. Also, when the offense just punts or throws interceptions, two plays into it or punts right away, uh, bad starts get worse really fast for the defense. 
Um, pretty bleak edition of the First Impressions podcast, but honestly, I'm going to assume that we weren't bleak enough for most of you out there. So for the Colts Cover 2 podcast, I'm Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. Colts play the Cowboys coming up. And Micah Parsons. <laughs>